many times we think that God would just, we just pray for things and God is going to do things. We have to participate in our own miracles. Faith without works is dead. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I want to talk about miracles. And I want to know, in your opinion, what is it that makes something miraculous? Well, you can't answer me here on this podcast as much as I would love that. So I looked up the definition of the word miracle. Uh, The Merriam-Webster Dictionary has two definitions. Number one, a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. You know, your classic biblical miracle, water into wine kind of stuff. The second definition is that a miracle is an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. So here's what I want to know. Have you ever witnessed a miracle? I think they're miracles that happen all around us all the time that we overlook. I say that because it's hard to know when a miracle is happening in real time, in the moment, other than maybe a baby being born, which by the way, happens every day, all the time. Definitely a miracle. Um, anyway, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's only after a good bit of time goes by and we have a bit of perspective on a past event when we're able to look back at a moment and realize it was pivotal and recognize that it was a moment that changed our life. And then there are the moments that we'll never know or recognize as miracles because Perhaps a moment when we said or did something that impacted someone else powerfully. And, you know, it was just a simple gesture or a moment that was forgettable for us, but maybe a change maker for that person. I'm talking about miracles because my guest today is Kimberly Coleman. And Kimberly is someone who recognizes that she has participated in her own miracles. Her Christian faith is a linchpin for her. She sees God's work in her life everywhere. But she also sees that she is a powerful force in that equation, that her actions deliver results, that her actions have delivered her through some difficult times. Even if you aren't a believer, I contend that you have the power to participate in your own miracles, that you're already participating in miracles, and maybe you just need to start noticing your power. Yes, your power. You are powerful beyond your wildest dreams. If you aren't feeling powerful, hey, I get it. There are days when I feel like a meager little crumb in the universe, but... The truth is that even when we don't feel powerful, our actions are affecting everything around us. And I wonder what might be possible if we start to get more intentional about those actions. What might be possible if we acknowledge and recognize our power and step into it despite our fears? 
by the time we get to midlife, it can be even harder to recognize our power in areas where we felt powerless for oh so many years. You know, maybe you've always hated exercise and you struggle with your weight, or maybe you have financial problems that you never seem to manage. Reinvention starts with an interior dialogue. And what I mean by that is that sometimes there's a little voice in our head that's complaining or is eager to do something that seems out of reach. And if we take the time to follow our instincts, we can really set off a chain of events that help us grow. When we don't listen to that voice, I believe it can come back to bite us because we're at odds with ourselves, which can be the source of chronic stress. And eventually something has to give. Sometimes it's our health, or maybe we start self-sabotaging our lives and relationships or acting out in ways that eventually blow up our status quo, forcing change upon us. Seven years ago, Kimberly lost her dream job and had some health issues that forced her into a complete and total life change. I can't wait for you to hear her story. So without further ado, here's Kimberly Coleman. Hey, Kim, thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, Yvonne, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you finally. Excited to East Coast. I'm I'm a little jealous. I, I love the East Coast. I really do. Yeah, I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I do love it too. As a, as a, as a former Texan, I mean, oh, that's right. That's I, I right. love the West and, and mm-hmm. I lived in Denver for a while, but, um, but I love, I do love the East coast. I have a thing for it. Yeah. A little, yeah. little passion in my heart. Yeah. Those winners can be tough though. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you and I met in clubhouse mm-hmm. a ways back. I'm looking at a little over a month ago. Yeah, a little over a month ago. Why does it feel so long? I don't know. You why, know the, why does it feel know. like a this whole lifetime? Time is just going. <laughs> this year, I can't believe. I just feel like I just finished Christmas shopping. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So you you immediately like grabbed me, hearing your voice and hearing I you know I heard a little a little snippet of where you're headed with your life and I was like oh I need to talk to her and then mm-hmm. coming back and hearing like the background behind what's been happening for you I I am so excited for people to hear what's okay. going on so I'm gonna have okay. you back up re- okay. rewind a little bit and tell okay. us a little bit about who you are and what's brought you to your here and now okay my name of, of course is Kimberly Coleman a native Chicagoan, uh, love my city. I lived there for the first 30 years of my life and then um, decided that I wanted to, uh, I always wanted to move to Washington, D.C. Always wanted to move to Washington, D.C. Really? So I picked up my, yeah, I love, I love politics. It's a sickness. Don't hate me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I just picked up my clothes and said I wanted to move to D.C. Took a transfer with my job. And then ended up working for the Department of Defense part of the time in the Pentagon um, and did that. I was an equal employment opportunity specialist, did diversity training, and um, it was great mediation, um, did that. And then um, a few years ago, six years ago, I got sick. Um, I had some health issues and I was in the, the hospital room at three in the morning, called my mother in Arizona. She said, 
you've lived in DC. I had lived in DC for 19 years. Wow. And she said, you've done DC. It's time for you to live near family. And you could either move here with your father and I here in Arizona or move to um, Oklahoma near your brother. And it was at a really bad time. I lost my job. Um, I had to sell my home. Mm-hmm. I was really estranged from my friends because I was ashamed. Pretty kind of estranged from my family because I was ashamed that I had accomplished so much and then let and then pretty much lost it all. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, it was very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah like the shame is real. Right. Yeah. And so did you and so you found yourself like pulling back from relationships because of that? Because with everything. Um, I lost one of my favorite aunts at that time. My health was horrible. Took a job that I hated in retail. Um, you know, I had just kind of gone from really making it you know, what people would consider making it, having a home, working for the government, you know, going to these flashy events and then losing it all, having a good relationship with my family and friends and just pushing them all out. And um, I sold pretty much everything, sold clothes, sold jewelry, (laughs) sold everything and moved to Oklahoma with a backpack and a suitcase. Mm. to live with my brother Mm. and during this time I was never really depressed I was upset with myself because everything that had happened was my fault Mm. I can't say it was the economy or anything except my health except for my health Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't blame anyone it was my fault but through it all I come from a people of faith. And through it all, I I knew that God was going to take care of me. I didn't know in what capacity, but I knew that if I did my part, that God would do his, Mm -hmm. because that's what he's always done for me. And so I remember watching Steve Harvey talk about when he lived in his car And he knew that that wasn't going to be the end. And he Mm -hmm. told God, when you get me out of this, not if, but when, I'm going to tell the world about what you've done. Mm -hmm. And I said the same thing. And I've been doing that ever since. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, you were contributing to things like NPR's news and notes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a regular on, on NPR news and notes. I was, it was on, a, I was on another um, online radio show with my friends, progressive Lynn radio. We had covered, um, I, I went to the democratic convention and covered it for them. So this was something I was doing besides working at the department of defense. Right. Um, and I went to um, yeah, the democratic convention and we were at the um, uh, President Obama's 2009 inauguration. Oh and we gosh. interviewed representatives, Congress people, senators. It was one of the best times of my life as a po- political person. I bet it was. It was, I you know, interviewed some of my heroes, the president of National Urban League, president of the NAACP. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah. So I was, I was doing well. Yeah. And then to lose that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Bad decisions. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you end up back in, in, in Tulsa, Tulsa, right? Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And you're with your brother. And so, so how, so you're, you're telling you, you were like, okay, God's got me. I'm going right. to do my part. Right. What, what did that look like from there? Um, I uh, moved my, at the time, I think he was 12, a nephew out of his room, moved into his rooms. I moved into their home. My brother's a pastor here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was good because, you know, my brother and I are very close. You know, we had kind of drifted apart because he was busy with the church thing and he's very active in the community. But we became closer and I became close to my sister-in-law and the two, my two nephews and the dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd never lived with a dog before, not for a long period of time. And it was like it was where I was supposed to be. And my brother was preaching a series called Praising God in the Hallway Until a Door Opens. Mm. And it was as if he was speaking to me directly (laughs) and I used those tools um, that he put forth in that sermon and I ended up working at a job called Sunbeam Family Services a not-for-profit in which we help seniors with everyday living now I had just come from a job where I was almost making six figures (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I was at another job where I wasn't making six figures, but it was the most satisfying job I've ever had. I would help people with food, clothing, getting their electricity on um, with their grandchildren. I mean, this is what I did every day mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And the most satisfying thing about that job was when people would say, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, you know, I would get people's electricity on and they would just lay their hands on me and start praying for me. Oh, wow. And I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was the happiest that I had been in a long time. Ended up getting an apartment, ended up getting, you know, everything that I had lost, I was getting back. Hmm. Because of budget cuts, um, I uh, lost that job Mm -hmm. and ended up going to another one, Mm non-for-profit, in which we help um, students who are getting their GEDs. And I'm basically doing the same thing there that I was doing at Sunbeam, but I'm doing it for another population. Hmm. So students that are going through life trying to get their GED or trying to enter college they're still having life issues getting an apartment getting a job getting electricity you know this and that's what I do now um I have a nice place to live um I have more clothes than I can shake a stick at (laughs) (laughs) um you know renewed relationships with with my family and friends a wonderful um, relationship with the Lord that never left me. My motto is, Yvonne, pray, praise, and push. 
I pray to God constantly because the Bible says pray without ceasing. I praise God because the word of God says when the, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. I praise him for what he's done and what he's getting ready to do. And then I push. I work. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And I use the example of the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. She knew that Jesus was coming. She could have just said, Jesus, come to me, heal me. She had been hemorrhaging. The Bible says, I believe, for seven years. It may say several. And when she found out that Jesus was coming, she made her way through the crowd and reached for the hem of his garment. Her faith was so strong that Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, there's so many people around here. How do we know? And, he, and they said it was, they ended up finding out it was a lady. And he told the woman, your faith has made you whole. She participated in her own miracle. Many times we think that God, we just, we just pray for things and God is going to do things. We have to participate in our own miracles. Faith without works is dead. That's a, you know, and, and I'm hearing too, that in, in line with that, I mean, you found yourself in this, in this low point, right? And, and it seems to me that what, what's brought you out of it has been finding yourself in service to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is the greatest thing you can do. I think uh, Dr. King said, not everybody can be famous. Dr. King did say this, but everybody can serve. Everybody can serve. And what I try to tell young people is making money is good. I mean, you, won't, you won't hear anything. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. You need money to survive. But if you can find something that gets you up in the morning where you are helping people and you're happy about doing it, the peace of mind that you have will surpass any of the amount of zeros that could be in your checkbook. You know, we have seen um, over the last, what, five years uh, or a few years, we've seen Robin Williams commit suicide, Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. Kate Spade. Um, they didn't commit suicide, but Bill and Melinda Gates, the richest people in the world, couldn't sustain their marriage worth $140 billion. Right. And we all think that money's going to be the answer to everything, that money's going to make it all better. And, and it doesn't. It, it does. It now, you know, as Sammy Davis Jr. said, Money came by happiness, but it makes a good down payment. <laughs> you know? and, and, and it's it's a good thing to have. Yeah. It, especially if you manage it right. But if you do not have peace of mind, as we've seen with Anthony Bourdain, like I said, Kate Spade, Robin Williams, just to name a few, it means nothing. Yeah. 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 So. so you've come a long way. It's been six years. Yes, it'll be six years this December. Wow, wow, wow. And so I know that you are getting ready to maybe make a move out to Arizona now to be with your parents, right? Yes, my parents are getting older. Um, COVID really taught me some things. (laughs) And it was very hard. I haven't seen my parents in a year and a half. I'll see them next week. And oh, that's great. it was very difficult. Thank you. Yeah. you know, we're both well vaccinated. It was very difficult. The first part of COVID was keeping my father at Walmart. 
That was the first thing. Because he wanted to go out. You know, they're they're in their late 70s, but they they were still before COVID. They had just gone to Italy right before, you know, all mm-hmm. of this had happened. Mm-hmm. And so they're very active. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to the gym. And so, you know, my father was used to going. And I told us that you can't go to Costco every day. You can't go to the gym. And so I just feel as if as they get older, I need to, even though I have another brother out there, my other brother is here with his family and he's the pastor of a church. Um, I just feel like I need to be closer to them. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think I, I feel like I skipped over something or, or we missed yeah. a little something in your story. I hope in I'm that... not talking too much. No, talking. you're terrific. Okay. Okay, what, I, okay. what I wanted to to get to is the, the fact that you, um, have started a podcast on top oh, yeah. of the, on yeah. top of the work that you're doing. You, you, you launched a podcast this year, right? Yes. I've always been, I used to do podcasting before um, how I got on NPR was that I was doing a blog, mm-hmm. excuse me. And somebody from NPR saw it and that's how I got to be a regular on NPR, but I've always wanted to do um, a podcast and the podcast that I was doing before were political because I'm a political nerd. Mm-hmm. And what I found was, is that I was always angry. Mm-hmm. I was always angry, especially, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not afraid to say it these last five years, mm-hmm. I was angry. And my mother said, you are just a little too angry. <laughs> so my, the podcast that I do with my, my co-host Kay Renee is another part of the service. And we have done shows on mental health, we have done shows on motherhood and the challenging issues of motherhood during COVID. We just did a show recently on gun control. And if you want to own a gun, what is the proper way to go about owning a gun? Um, we did one on manifesting a partner. So that is our, um, that is what we do. We have it on Fridays on Facebook Live. We're going to start doing it on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. Um, every Friday at nine o'clock central. And you- you can find us at K&K on uh, Facebook. Say it again. K&K? K&K. K&K. Great. Mm-hmm. Or just go to my page, Kim Coleman, and you can see it there. Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. So so what what has it been like to you? So I, actually, let me back you up. So you're doing it with a partner. Yes. Which is really cool. Whom I've never met. What? We um, have a friend, he's in Chicago. His name is Art Sims. He was a, he's a big media influencer in Chicago. Uh-huh. And he's seen my post on Facebook. So he asked me to come on a show. He does a show every Monday through Friday on Facebook Live and YouTube. And he asked me to come on the show. So I started coming on the show regularly and really um, contributing it, you know, when politics was at its peak, you know, mm-hmm. during the election and everything. Mm-hmm. kind of being the political commentator on the show. And I met Kay Renee through there. And I've been looking with, for someone to do a show with. And I said, would you like to do the show? She didn't ask any questions. She said, yes. Mm-hmm. And we have never met. She's in Chicago, my hometown, of course. And we've been doing it since February. That's mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> this has been an interesting year for that because mm-hmm. I have um, I have met people because I just started my podcast last June, um, I've met people this year in tr- trying to find guests and going on Clubhouse and other some other networking things that 
frankly don't feel like networking. I've been meeting like some really cool people. Right, right, and right. It's amazing. I, you know, I always say I don't know what they look like from from like chest down. You know, I just know people's faces yeah. a little square, or even just know? their voices because sometimes they don't have right. pictures on Clubhouse. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's just it's been an incredible year for connecting with people virtually mm-hmm. and, and then, them. and then launching into doing things with them, right. you know, just right. partnerships right. and stuff. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's been great. It's been yeah. great. Very cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. So you guys have been doing that since February. Is it a, and it's a weekly show? Yes. So every right. Friday, every Friday. Right. And having a, having a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of work because you have to get the guests and invite them, make sure they have the zoom connection. And, and the, you know, it's not, it's, I put in, you know, hours in that. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're, we're building our audience and everything and having a good time and informing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, you've gone back to, or so now I think one of the things that, that, that first attracted me to, <laughs> to your story was that you, you said you were going, you were starting acting yeah. in midlife, right? Yeah. Midlife. <laughs> I yeah, it. I used to do, um, I used to be on speech team when I was in high school. Uh-huh. And, but I went to a, you know, I can say I went to a predominantly white high school mm-hmm. and I think it was like 5% black and most of the roles, I couldn't play the Jewish mother. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they weren't, they weren't I doing colorblind <laughs> casting. Yeah. No. Cause, cause I've worked in a no. lot of theaters yeah. where they just do colorblind casting and you just, you you know, you forget. You get yeah, well, into this, the show. And this was the '80s. You know, mm-hmm. no, it sounds it sounds ancient, but that's true. It was the '80s. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So I, you know, I'd always wanted to do it, and you know, I didn't want to tell my parents I wasn't a major in theater because they would have been like, "Not my money." And I used to do local theater in Chicago. Did a couple things in D.C., but just kind of let it go. And when the pandemic hit, and and some of the higher acting schools were offering um, classes online. I said, well, well, let me take advantage of this mm-hmm. and have met some of the big wigs in the business through Clubhouse and Zoom. And as a result of that, I took, I was taking classes with some very good acting coaches. And just this past Saturday, I got a role in a play, a local play here in Oklahoma. Awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. So what, what's the play? What are you going to be doing? It's called Shaking the Mess Out of Misery. Uh-huh. I play three characters. I believe it's an older woman who gives advice to a younger woman. It's a, it's a woman who's coming of age and she's getting advice, advice from the older women in her life. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the older women. I believe that's the premise of the story. Yeah. 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 So it's all brand new. When do you start yeah. rehearsing? That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Very excited. So those acting classes are paying off because they're not easy. (laughs) At least the ones that I took. (laughs) And so you're doing the acting classes like over Zoom then? Is that how it's working? Over Zoom. Mm -hmm. My husband teaches acting at a a university here and he they had to switch to doing to doing online classes. It's been a challenge to teach online. It is because you're you're this is it. This is your frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the new thing they're telling you, even doing self-tape auditions, um, you know, everybody, you know, used to just move out to LA and I was telling somebody, well, maybe I should go out to LA for a couple of weeks. And said, no, save your money and do everything from home. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, you're on fire. I'm trying to be in this as an older age. I feel like I'm just coming into my own. Um, I, and I feel as if God has given me the tools to do it. Yeah. What do you and, think you've learned about yourself that you didn't know seven years ago, eight years ago? Not to, I've always been a scaredy cat. Hmm. I've always been afraid to do things. I've always been afraid of rejection. And what I've learned is all people can tell you is no, hmm. but sometimes that no is going to be a yes. That, you know, that you, you know, <laughs> Uh, this is funny. Um, when I was young, when I was in preschool, graduated from preschool, and um, for graduation they played Michael Jackson song "Shake It, Shake ABC," mm-hmm. and all the other kids were shy, and I was out there dancing. I wasn't shy, you know. And there was like a hundred people in the audience, and my mother told me then she knew that I was talented. She always knew. Aww. She always knew. And I ne- I didn't realize how talented I was. I, you know, I didn't believe in myself. So, you know, when you said, I have to say, when you just identified yourself as a scaredy cat, that is not the impression I've gotten of you in my conversations with you. Um, so I find that interesting. Do you think that about yourself because maybe what you wanted to do was the acting all along and you just, and because you didn't do it, is that where you feel like, cause, yeah. cause you seem to me like you wanted to move to DC, <laughs> you moved to DC, you know, yeah. you, you, you had a, a big career. You, you know, you, you started a blog, you, you contributed to, you know, NPR and CNN and Huffington Post and like, I don't see the scary part. You know what? I will say this. Yeah, I will say this. No matter how successful you are, and I never thought of myself as a success. If you're not married with kids, people don't think you are. Mm. So it, I don't know if this is the black community. I don't know. Like I remember Barbara Walters interviewing Condoleezza Rice. Now this is the woman who is the pinnacle of success mm-hmm. at that time. Secretary of State. Yeah. Uh, National Security Advisor. Yeah. And Barbara Walters was asking her, was, why was she not in a relationship? <laughs> All the stuff this woman has achieved. Now, and this is the question you're asking. Gail King just did it to Stacey Abrams last week. Stacey mm-hmm. Abrams, who <laughs> defeated the Republican Party in Georgia. Yeah. Literally was asked about her personal life it's such a shame that those are the markers that we yeah but that i mean you know when i was i was supposed to get married in 2003 and i knew that i had no business getting married it was an abusive relationship and i'm not the marrying type either anyway um but it was if society had validated me Hmm. people were giving me more that they were like okay now I can accept everything else, <laughs> hmm. you know, that and to be a woman, you know, 53 years, 54, 54 with no kids and never married. 
um, it's still a stigma. Like I said, Gil, Gil King, you know, Stacey Abrams, you know, has written this bestseller, done all this stuff, and she's asked about her personal life. And I think that's where that came from. I felt like I had to check that box. Mm. And when I let that go, that cleared a lot of stuff for me. When I finally said, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to do something to make society feel more comfortable about who I am. Mm-hmm. I would like a companion, a, a male companion or some kind. I don't know. I don't think I want to get married. But once I really let that go, a lot of the fear left me. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you stopped holding yourself accountable to something that that wasn't true for you. Yeah, not at all. Right. Mm-hmm. We do that. Uh, yeah. Gosh, we do that to ourselves all the time, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, man, oh, man, <laughs> there's a lot of power to be to be claimed when we decide to live our own truth. Truth. Yeah. It's freedom in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thanks. Mark. Yeah. Very easy to talk to. Oh, thank very you. Easy to talk to. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just, I'm just so impressed. You know, you, you just have turned it around and I love your energy and, um, and your point of view on things. Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a a journey and it's still a journey. It's still work every day. You know, um, even when, you know, I went into that, when I went to that audition last week, I'm like, I almost didn't go. I almost didn't go. Oh my goodness. And tell I me. Said, so tell me about it. So, so you, so was it something you saw posted like online? Online. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, um, you know, I, I wasn't feeling the best that day. It was, I think it was raining that day or something. And I was like, oh my goodness. And, uh, I just went in and met the, the director. Uh, I was supposed to go in for another audition a couple years ago. Uh, and had to go out of town. And so he said, uh, he said, we've been waiting for you. He said, we've been waiting for you. Wow. What a nice thing for him to yeah. say. That kind of makes you yeah, feel like, he and oh. I are here and our Facebook friends. Uh-huh. And so when I'm doing the dialogue and the lady says, uh, you gave me goosebumps. I guess that was mm. a good thing. I said, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> so, but I, um, the gentleman who was in Brian Cranston, who was in, um, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. He gave some advice and this has been going around the acting. He did this YouTube clip. He said, don't go into something being desperate. Mm. Be good so that they want you, but don't do it desperately. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a metaphor for life. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my do gosh. it because you want to do it. Have And everybody and everybody also says have fun that's not always fun but have fun as much as much fun as you can you you're getting they're letting you act act lay it all on the floor and because I had done the dialogue before and people were saying you're holding back you're holding back so when I went to the audition I said I'm not gonna hold back I'm not gonna hold back and um yeah, so got it. You almost didn't go. And there <laughs> you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What did you, t- can I ask you a question? What mm-hmm. 
what did you do? What made you decide to go? Did you did you give yourself a talking to? Did you? You know, I paid a couple of dollars, a few dollars for these acting classes. And I said, if you're not going to act, what you paying this money to do this for? Uh-huh. You're wasting your money. You know, what if you got, you know, like, you know, all I can say is no. Right. Then I'll just keep refining the tool. You know, um, Viola Davis, um, who should mm-hmm. have two Oscars, three Oscars by now. Mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. one. She's awesome. Um, she's, she's amazing. She still takes acting classes. Yeah. I think I heard Mel Street does too. Yeah, you got to street. It's a tu- it's it's a, a tool, it's a yeah. it's a tool and yeah. you got to keep it limber yeah. and, you know, keep stay in touch and all and yeah. all that stuff. So, yeah. 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 So, you know, I you gave you yourself know, a talking to is what you yeah, did. I did. I yeah. did. I yeah. did. And I was nervous and they could tell I was nervous. But then the lady said during I said, I'm nervous. <laughs> and she said, you really don't need to be. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, so onward and upwards yeah so i got and now comes the real work the script and the blocking and that's the fun part as far yeah. as i'm concerned yeah. i love rehearsals and stuff yeah. i have to say like having been on you know both sides of it i you know i've auditioned a lot and i've and i've um, been on the other side of the table watching auditions happen and and it something that somebody had you know that people had always said is that um when you go into an audition, the people that are there watching you audition, they want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. They are Mm -hmm. genuinely in your corner because Mm -hmm. if you show up and you go rock their, you know, you knock their socks off, you just made their job easier. Right. 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 Their day. Right. So you got to know that the people want to see you do well. And that, you know, so when she said you have nothing to be nervous about, that's spot on. And that's what that means, you know, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that just go in and make their job easy. Go in and right. just rock it, you know, take, right. your, lay it on, take lay your space, it on take yeah. your time, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, uh, um, that's what's happening now. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm, gosh. Mm-hmm. So exciting. So yeah. Exciting. I'm very excited. Very cool. excited. So you're going to head out, see your parents, make a plan. And then uh, make your move out to Arizona, huh? Yeah, and I'll be closer to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I think five hours. Yeah. Um, You'll be close to uh, to Albuquerque, too. Not too far. Mm-hmm. Right. Although and I hear, a- yeah, although I hear that the that the um, the really the new Hollywood is in Atlanta, but I'll fly to Atlanta. Yeah, but they got Nef- um, Netflix is based out of uh, Albuquerque. Albuquerque yeah. So yeah, there's a lot like, of production. I was just in a room with somebody talking about that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, you know, I'll make it work. And whatever is for me is for me. Mm-hmm. And it'll, God will make a way for me to get to where I need to be. Yeah. You know, I surrender to him and I know that uh, whatever he, when he wants you to do something, he makes the provisions for you to get there. It's amazing. Every time I've mm-hmm. taken a chance in life um, with faith, and action it, it, you know things seem to work out yeah kind of crazy they do they really it's and it's amazing to to look back on that and watch how it unravels right you know um you know there there's a song in the in the gospel community is that when I look back over my life 
and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I've got a testimony. You know, and sometimes you have to look back to see God was really working that thing out, you know. I can't tell you. Uh, I look yeah. back on my life and I'm like, I just have, I just feel like I've lived a charmed life when I look at how <laughs> things could have gone, but how they did uh-huh. go and, uh-huh. and think, wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Thank, you, good. thank you. Yes. <laughs> live in, I live in a spirit of gratefulness constantly. Yeah. Constantly. That is powerful. I mean, I know that that's almost become, you know, uh, cliche is that mm-hmm. whole idea of being grateful and all, but it, there is enormous power in it. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when yeah. I, you know, I was, I was talking to someone the other day um, and I'll make this as short as possible. And she was said, had a, a issue and she had fallen and uh, was going to have to be bedridden for two weeks and go through physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And she was complaining about the whole thing. And I said, let's take a step back. You just told me that you fell. You didn't kill yourself. So that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. You also told me that you're going to be laid up for two weeks. Your job is going to pay for that, which means that you have a job and that they're going to pay for it. That's a mm-hmm. blessing. Mm-hmm. Then you told me you're going to go to physical therapy. So you just told me that you have good insurance. Uh-huh. Not to mention the bed you get to sleep in. You got a roof over your head. And I'm thinking you got food in the refrigerator, right? Yeah. And I said to her, I said, we all complain. There's nothing wrong with complaining. But every now and then, you got to take a step back. I said there, and I heard, um, I'm a, 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 I listened to Bishop Jakes. There are people who are praying for the life that you have now. Mm. The things that you are complaining about would be somebody else's blessings. Mm. And I really try to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have really, to tell you, my really mother-in-law do. is 93 years old. Bless oh my her. goodness. And she, there isn't a thing that happens in her life that she's in a car accident and she, mm-hmm. you know, she was in a car accident. She'll say, Oh, thank goodness. You know that this happened and that happened. And I was so lucky or, you know, she has a health thing happen. Oh, I'm so thankful that doctor is just just amazing and the nurses were wonderful they took such good care of me and i'm so glad that this and i'm so glad that that and no it doesn't matter what life hands her she will take it and find that tiny whatever it is she is she's just has that ability to find um the blessing in it that's great and I'm like, great. Oh, well, there you go. She's 93 and going strong. And yeah, you know, that's, that's if anybody knows about blessings, she does. Right. She's seen it all. <laughs> Such good a good her. example. Good oh my gosh. Her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to be watching you, watching your social media feed and seeing when the show's going up and well, this is going to be a lie or it's live with in front of an audience, not yes, tape, yes. not zoom. Like yes. this is real theater. This is real theater. Woo! Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Remember those lines and, and everything. Yeah. So. Oh, you got that. You got yeah. that. You, yeah. Uh, it's so Thank exciting you. to Thank hear you. the theater is moving again. Um, yes. I will let people know how to find you. I'm going to let you go because oh. I know you've got another thing next. But yes. do you want to um, throw something out there first? Yeah, I'm at Sister Girl Speaks on Twitter. I'm at Sister Girl Speaks on Instagram. I'm at Kim Coleman, Kimberly A. Coleman. 
I had to change that on Facebook. Okay. Um, I think that's about it. Awesome. Well, I, and I'll have everything in the show notes for people too. So the links will actually be there if anybody wants to come find you and talk to you. So great. Thank you so much. Yvonne, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Totally mine. Well, there you have it. I love how Kimberly turned everything around and is out there every day taking chances and finding ways to serve. By the way, my interview with Kimberly was all the way back in May of this year. Um, Since then, she's been cast in a production of Streetcar Named Desire in Oklahoma City. And she's still working towards moving to Arizona and finding ways to serve and putting herself out there. I just love it. Have you ever lost a job? Have you ever had a health issue stop you in your tracks and force you to drop out of your life so you could recover? I'm going to guess that you've had some experience that seemed overwhelming, and yet you managed to get through it. And hopefully, when you look back on it now, you realize it made you stronger. Looking back on it, you might even recognize that a miracle took place. We are living in very uncertain times, but I believe that whatever challenges lie ahead, we will get through them and they will make us stronger. I want to encourage you to pay attention to your inner voice and take some action towards your desires. Or you might notice what makes you mad. And instead of sinking into despair, think about what you might be able to do in service of righting that wrong. Have faith that your actions matter. That's my challenge to you and to myself. If you want to know more about Kimberly Coleman, I will have that information for you in the show notes. And hey, did you know I created a free guide for you designed to help you start taking the steps towards your next act? It's a workbook. It's called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. It's an email series with some ideas and some practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. You can do them at your own pace as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. And you can find the link to sign up for it in the show notes as well. So for those show notes, you can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 66. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.